I wonder what would happen if God answered the prayer of that song that we just sang. Change my heart, may I be like you. I'm not sure we comprehend what we really ask for there. I'm not sure that we really want what we just asked for. Change my heart, may I be like you. And that's really what we're going to focus on this morning as we begin our, our world tour. The world tour every November when we come to this month is when we look beyond ourselves, beyond our walls, see once what God is doing in the world around and where we can join him in his work. And, and for these next three weeks, we're going to talk about being obedient with the emphasis on the be. And this morning we look at how do we be his heart? Change my heart, O oh God. May I be like you. What does it mean for us to have the heart of Jesus for this world? Often when we think about imitating Jesus, right? We're called as believers to, to be more and more like Jesus. We, we default to the easy and right answer of being like Jesus. Imitating him means cleaning up our lives. It's a call to holiness, right? Jesus was sinless. And so we hear be like Jesus as get rid of sin out of your life. And certainly we should do that. But I think we're going to see this morning and throughout the series that being like Jesus goes much deeper than that. It's more than just about holiness. It's about our character. And, and, and when we shape our character to match Jesus' character, it will shape our lives as well. The question we need to ask is how can we be Jesus to this world? And we start this morning by asking, how can we be his heart? How can we be Jesus' heart and imitate his heart to this world that desperately needs him? And of course, the easy answer is, is if our heart is like Jesus' heart, we will love. Right? That's, that's the easy answer, right? I learned in Sunday school that either the answer to every question is Jesus or love. You can cover about 80% of the questions with those two answers, right? So the answer, easy answer must be we love well, sure, easy answer, easy sermon. But if it was that easy, then we would be loving this world around us a lot more than we actually are. It may not be that easy. Because if we look at our own lives and look at the lives of the believers around us, we'll find that we're dismissing and ignoring the very people that Jesus calls us to love. Because life is a lot easier that way. It is so much easier for me, and I assume for you too, to simply ignore and dismiss the fact that there's millions of people out there who are desperately hurting. It's easier to ignore them to love them. It's easier to ignore the fact that there's women in India and in that area of the world who are, who are being sexually abused on a regular basis. It's easier to ignore the fact that there's families in Syria and Iraq who, who are literally being bombed daily. It sure is a lot easier for my life to ignore the fact that there's millions of refugees who at this very moment have no home, no income, no education for their kids. Their kids aren't going to school anymore. Who have, they don't know what their future is. It sure is a lot easier to forget that there's people all around us who are, who are being treated differently because of the color of their skin or are being treated differently because of their gender. And it's easy to forget that 
many of them are facing these hurts and these horrific challenges in life without the hope of Jesus. Right? It's, my life is so much easier if I ignore that. If I do nothing about it and just focus on my own little life, put on my blinders and live my daily life. But if we're going to follow Jesus, he modeled something very, very different from that. If we're going to see this world around us as Jesus does, if we're going to love this world as Jesus did and calls us to do, then we need to take off our blinders to the world around us. And we need to learn to have hearts that love just like Jesus' heart's heart loves. And Jesus' heart hurt deeply with those who were hurting the very first step that we need to learn if we're going to love like Jesus is to have empathy just like he did. Empathy is defined as understanding or entertaining another's situ- or entering into another's situation or feeling. So you step into their shoes and you imagine and you feel what life is like to be in their situation. It's a heart skill that each of us needs to learn if we're going to learn to love like Jesus loves. Right? So when we learn to understand each other's hearts, when we learn to walk for a few moments in someone else's shoes, when we learn to feel their emotions with them, then we'll begin to truly understand what it means to love them. So let's learn from Jesus this morning, because Jesus clearly modeled empathy for us. Turn with me to John chapter 11. John chapter 11 is page 871. We're going to read uh, a long passage this morning. So if you don't usually take out the Bible and follow along, you'll want to this morning. John chapter 11. Here in John chapter 11, the first 44 verses, we get to hear the story of the death and resurrection of Lazarus, one of Jesus' best friends. It's probably a story that many of us have read multiple times. It's one of the most dramatic and powerful miracles that Jesus does. But I find this story amazing because of the personal nature of it. It gives us the emotion of Jesus that we don't usually get to see. So as we read these 44 verses, just pay attention to the emotion, the feelings that John lets us share in this story. John 11, I'm going to start at verse 1, go all the way through verse 44. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This, this Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. And then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews there tried to stone you, and yet you are going back? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble. For they see by this world's light. 
It is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. After he had said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I'm glad I was not there, so that you may believe. But let us go to him. Then Thomas, also known as Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, And many of the Jews had come to Martha and to Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. But Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been there, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. After she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered this village, but was still at at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was, she saw him. She fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Once more, Jesus, deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with the stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he's been there for four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him 
go. This is quite a story. Here's, Jesus, here's Lazarus, Jesus' best friend. And Lazarus dies, and, and he dies too young, and he dies too unexpectedly. And, and you would think that Jesus would be moved, right? A good friend just died. And it's interesting, in the first 16 verses, I don't know if you noticed the emotion in the 16, first 16 verses, but there wasn't a whole lot there. Jesus is informed that Lazarus is sick. In fact, he knows that Lazarus is dead. And the only clue of emotion we get in the first 16 verses there, while Jesus is still away from them, comes in verse 15 where Jesus says, I'm glad. I'm glad that I was not there so that you might believe. It's interesting that Jesus at this point doesn't feel the emotion of grief or sorrow. And I think he doesn't experience those emotions because he knows how this story is going to end. He knows the facts that are about to happen. He knows that God is going to raise Lazarus up from the dead to demonstrate his great power, to demonstrate his great love. He knows that Lazarus is going to walk out of that tomb alive, kind of as a foreshadowing of his own resurrection. He knows that when this story ends, Lazarus will be alive, sitting at home with his sisters again. And so there's no reason for tears. There's no reason for grief and sadness. Jesus can give all the right answers here to explain what's going on and to dismiss any sorrow. In fact, he does just that, doesn't he, when Martha comes out to meet him. In verse 22, Martha, the first of the sisters, runs out to meet Jesus and, and she shares her sorrow with him at her brother's death. And in response, Jesus gives her the right answer. He says, your brother will rise again. There's the fact. In other words, he's saying, Martha, you don't need to be sad. You don't need to be mourning because your brother will rise again. There's still hope. And I think we as followers of Jesus, we need to make sure that we learn and know how to speak truth. We need to speak truth to each other and to this world. When we're in the midst of the hurt, when we're in the midst of the sorrow of our lives, we need to remind each other of the facts. When we feel like there's no hope, when we feel like God has abandoned us, we need to speak the truth. And, and the truth is that God walks with us through the painful fires of our lives. God's always there. We need to speak that truth. We need to remind each other that nothing in this world can ever separate us from the love of God that is in Jesus Christ. We need to remind each other of the hope that we have, not just for this life, but for eternity. We need to remind each other of the truth that when all is said and done, God wins and we win with him. That death and disease and evil, even though it does its worst, even though it hurts and it's painful, it does not get the final say. Jesus does. God wins. We win in the end. That kind of hopefulness, that kind of assurance is the truth that we need to speak in the midst of hurt and pain, just like Jesus did to, to Martha. But I find it fascinating that Jesus does something very different for Mary. Right? So Mary comes out to visit. 
to see Jesus as well. She leaves her house to go meet Jesus. Only John tells us she didn't go alone like Martha did. Verse 31 says that those who were in the house with Mary, comforting her, went along with her. You know, you need to understand a little bit of first century Jewish culture here. You see, in that culture, they made sure that when somebody they loved died, that no one mourned alone. If someone you love died in that culture, you'd be surrounded by people mourning with you for 30 days straight. For the first three days, there'd be a large crowd of people at your house with you, following you wherever you went, and it would be intense, and it would be loud, and the grief would be, would be known all around. And then after three days, for the next four days, the crowd would dissipate a little bit, but you'd still have a pretty significant crowd of people around you mourning with you. And then after that first week is done, the numbers would really scale back and you have a core group of people who would stay with you for the, next, for, for the rest of those 30 days. Okay, so, so you have mourners surrounding you at all times, weeping with you, crying with you. And it says here that, that when Mary left to go see Jesus, those mourners came with her. Okay, we're on day four, we're told. So it wasn't the huge crowd, but it's still a significant crowd of people who have been crying with her for four days straight, and they go with her as well. You need to see this is an emotionally charged parade of people coming to meet Jesus. And if you notice, John tells us Mary greets Jesus with the exact same words that her sister Martha did. No different. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But Jesus' response to her statement is so different from what he did for Martha. He doesn't just simply tell Mary the facts, the truth of what's going to happen like he did for Martha. Jesus sees Mary's sorrow. He sees the sorrow of this crowd of people whose eyes are red from weeping for four days. He sees how they're torn up on the inside. He sees their tears, and verse 33 tells us that he was deeply moved and troubled. And verse 35 tells us that he was so deeply moved, he was so troubled at what he saw, at what he felt, that he wept. Jesus' heart experiences their deep sorrow, their brokenness, so powerfully and so painfully that he cannot help but weep right along with them. Now think about that for a moment. This is Jesus who knew that literally in just a few minutes, Lazarus was going to be alive again. He knew that was about to happen. He knew that in just a few moments, all this sadness was going to be turned on its head, and these are going to be the most joyful people in the world. And yet he doesn't say, hey, hey, you know what? You don't need to cry. You know what? Put this aside. Follow me. Let me show you something awesome. He doesn't dismiss their pain. He doesn't tell them to stop. He doesn't ignore the hurt that is deep in their hearts. Instead, he enters into those emotions with them, and he shares their feelings right along with them. And what John tells us here 
is that he felt these emotions powerfully. These weren't just token feelings. He wasn't just seeing them and, and recognizing that. He was entering deeply into their hearts. John tells us, first of all, that, that he was deeply moved in spirit. Now, the Greek word there literally means that, that his heart was angry. So it means to be deeply moved in spirit. You're angry. Jesus was, was angry at the brokenness of this world that was laying right in front of him. Jesus looked at the brokenness of this community, the broken hearts, and he said, this is not the way it's supposed to be. And he was angry about it. He's angry when he sees sin doing its worst to hurt and destroy the goodness that God intended. He's angry that, that death has come to destroy the life that God created. He's angry that, that Sin has brought disease to destroy the health that God has intended. He's angry that sin has caused this pain when God intended joy. He honestly feels the same anger and frustration and deep disappointment and hurt that Mary is feeling. That's empathy. Then it says, it says next that Jesus was troubled. He saw the sorrow, he saw the tears, he heard the mourning, the weeping, and he felt the brokenness in life, and it troubled him. It disturbed him deep into his core. It sunk into his own heart, and he felt the pain and the sorrow for himself, right along with them. So much so that he couldn't help but weep. Isn't that amazing? Jesus, God himself, feels their pain so intently, so honestly, that God weeps. He made their sorrow his sorrow. He made their pain his pain. And he couldn't help but hold back the tears. Never forget that that's our God. We don't have a God who's way out there somewhere. We don't have a God who's distant and removed from your life. We have a God who's right here in the reality of life with us. We have a God who's so close that he feels what you feel right along with you. In the difficult times of your life, he feels your sorrow. He feels your pain. And he can't help but cry right along with you as he walks each step of your life with you. In the joyful times, he shares our joy. And in the painful times, he shares our pain. That's how much he loves you. That's love, isn't it? It's love that feels what we feel. And he does that for every single person. Every single person. God is right in the middle of the reality of the lives of the people that you and I would rather choose to ignore. He cares as much about them as he does about you and me. So he feels the pain of a mother trapped in poverty who can't provide for her child and is watching her child starve slowly day by day. 
And he feels the, the loneliness of a young girl trapped as a sex slave, kidnapped and held hostage. He feels lost and abandoned along with a refugee who has no place to call home, who has no place to belong, who feels like he has nobody who cares. His heart breaks along with the Syrian parents who have lost their children, along with the Syrian children whose parents are dead. He feels the fear and the anxiety right along with the immigrants and the minority. He loves them so much that he feels what they feel. So if you and I are going to imitate Jesus, change my heart, O oh God, may I be like you, right? If you and I are going to imitate Jesus, it means we're going to have to learn to love people as deeply as he loves them. It isn't just enough for us to have the right answers for them. We need to speak truth. Yes, God is God and he is powerful and he walks with us through the details of life. And in the end, death doesn't win. And in the end, disease doesn't win. And in the end, God wins and we win with him. Hallelujah. Yes, we know that truth and we speak that truth. But we also must engage our hearts with their hearts. We need to let our hearts be in rhythm with theirs. And when our hearts Love them as Jesus loves them. And our hands will move in Jesus' name. We will love them in Jesus' name. It's exactly what Jesus modeled for us. So Jesus saw the hungry crowds that gathered around him. And Matthew tells us in chapters 9 and 14 that when he saw those who were hungry, he had compassion on them. He was hungry right along with them. And because he felt their hunger, he did something about it. He gave them food. Jesus felt the pain of their hunger and did something about it, and so should we. Jesus saw the sick. He saw the sick around him, those with diseases that made the rest of society loathe them, those with deformities that made life miserable at best those that everybody else ignored, put out on the street. Not Jesus. He could not ignore them because once he felt the pain not only of their broken bodies, but once he felt the pain of their rejection, once he felt the sorrow of their loneliness, he had to do something. So he stopped and talked to people that nobody else would talk to. And he reached out and touched people that nobody else would touch. He valued people that, that this world found no value in. He not only felt the pain of their sickness, but he felt their loneliness and their longing to belong and their desire to be loved. He felt it, and so he did something about it, and so should we. Jesus saw the poor all around him. He felt their hopelessness. He felt their despair right along with him. And because he engaged his heart with them, he could not help but engage his hands. You know, I hope that's the kind of empathetic love that moved many of us this past week to serve our family promised guests. I hope you did it because your heart 
hurt with them. And you wanted what's best with for them. And you loved them in Jesus' name. You know, in two weeks, we're going to have our, our pig roast, the culmination of, of our uh, world tour uh, series that we do every November. And your ticket to get into the pig roast is going to be your real change coffee cup bank that's in the narthex. I hope you pick one up afterwards. And all that we're collecting this year, we did this once before, we're doing it again. All the money that we collect for that, at that pig roast through that bank is going to go to buy a mobile home and refurbish it and give it to family promise so that they can give it to a family in need. I hope you read that sheet last week that there's over 140 families right in our own location here who have no home. Okay, you can read that fact, but did you pause long enough to let your heart feel what those 140 families must feel? Think about that for a moment. Feel that for a moment. What would it be like to be a father or a mother? And you are not able to provide your children a roof over their head. You're bouncing from relative to relative, maybe, begging for a place to stay. Maybe you're sleeping in your car. I said, what if, children, put yourself in the child's place. You don't have your own bedroom. You don't have a place to call your own. You don't have your own bed. You're sleeping on the floor here, sleeping on the floor there. Maybe you're even sleeping at a church. What must that be like for those parents? For those children? Can you feel it for a moment? I think if you feel it, if you love as Jesus calls us to love, hard not to do anything, isn't it? It's hard just to say, oh well. When our hearts begin to feel, that's when our hands begin to move. And that's Jesus' heart. Jesus' heart feels. That Jesus' heart feels for you and for me. Because when Jesus saw the brokenness of sinners, like you and like me, and when Jesus felt the hopelessness that comes from eternal condemnation, when Jesus saw the hurt that we bring upon ourselves because of our sin and because of our guilt, because Jesus felt our pain and our hopelessness, he did something about it. He went to that cross. He allowed himself to be nailed to that tree. He suffered and he died and he rose again. And he did that because he hurt so deeply for you and for me. And because he hurt, he did something. John tells us that it was because of empathy. It's a verse that we know so well that we just read right through it, right? John 3, 16. God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Stop and think about what it started, how that verse starts. Why did God do this? For the, why did he send his son? Why did God do that for you and for me? Because he so loved. Because he empathized with us. 
Because he felt the pain of our sin. Because he felt the effects of our brokenness. Because his heart beat so closely with yours that he had to do something for you. Jesus loved us like that. And now he says, I want you to love the world like that in my name. When our hearts as Jesus followers begin to love like Jesus' heart, when we begin to empathize with the people around us, when we begin to put ourselves in their shoes and allow our hearts to beat in rhythm with their hearts, then you know what will happen? Our perspectives will change. Our lives will change. Our community will change. And our world will change. We will drop our stones of judgment and we'll pick up bandages of healing instead. We will stop speaking words of condemnation and rejection that we so easily speak and our mouths will be filled with words of grace and love instead. And in love, we will refuse to turn others away. In love, we will refuse to allow each other to simply remain stuck in our brokenness. When you hurt along with someone, it's awfully hard to not do anything for them. It's awfully hard to throw the stone of judgment. As followers of Jesus Christ, if that's who we really are, we must share Jesus' heart for this world, for people who are nearby and far away, for all the people that he loves so desperately. His plan is to love them through you and through me through those of us who wear his name. So when we share Jesus' heart, when we're imitating him, we will start to dare to look out from our own narrow lives and see the world around us. And after we dare to look and see them, we'll dare to love them. We'll love them as Jesus loves them. And we'll love them in his name. Let's pray for those kind of hearts together. Change my heart, oh God. Make it ever true. Change my heart, oh God. May it be like you. God, give us the eyes to see people around us. And give us a heart to love them like you do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to take our offering this morning. Our offerings go for ministries here at Ivanrest Church and for our faith promise commitments that reach out to people needing the love of Jesus all around the world. And while we take this 